Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod live from Greystone Studios. Uh, we've got Mark Baker, our co-host out there uh, in Glenageary. How are you getting on, Mark? I'm great, Luke. How are you? I know how you're getting on. We were on a podcast uh, just before this one as well, so we've already uh, done all the, the niceties. Uh, we've got our, I never let we, them behind the curtain, Luke. What yeah, can I tell you? I always tell them what's going on behind the scenes here. Uh, we've got Gareth Hickey here on the line as well, our special guest. How's it going, Gareth? Hi, gents. All good. So today, I was just, we were just talking about this, um, about Noah, uh, Gareth's uh, business, and it's I it's hard to describe. I was trying to describe this uh, to, to my wife actually when I was uh, <laughs> I was making uh, the tea earlier on, kind of talking about who's coming on the podcast tonight. How would you describe that to the to the listeners? So what's the kind of the pitch? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, I guess the pitch at a basic level is basically it's you know it's we're doing what. Um, Audible do in the book publishing space, except for quality journalism. Um, not really the newsy kind of articles, it's the sort of articles that you would love to read if only you had the time. So the kind of pieces that you'd like to sit down and read on a, on a weekend morning um, if, if the kids weren't running around and, and you didn't have a million other things to do. Absolutely. So when I went on the, the website only today and I, I set up uh, an account and all that good stuff, I was listening to you know four or five of the like you're saying, the real top quality stuff. So you've got the stuff on the from the Econ- Economist. You've got stuff from a Harvard Business Review. These are all stuff that, like you said, I'd love to have the time to sit down. Uh, but then, like say, I know people are starting to go back to their commute and stuff like that. Um, people are listening to kind of uh, either like you know comedy podcasts or whatever, or they're listening to like conspiracy theories or so stuff that's not really have a lot of substance. And there's there's kind of no other option other than going down the Audible route where you go into a 17-hour book um, about, uh, yeah. about a subject. Um, but this kind of gives you just a, a flavor of this. How did this uh, come about and where did the idea come from? Yeah, so, so I mean, it came about really when I was working. So kind of a bit of background. My my background is, is finance and economics. I guess that's what I studied um, in university. Um, went on from there to, to work as an equity analyst in a one of the kind of largest trading companies in the world um, called Susquehanna International Group. They're, they're what's called a market maker for derivatives and, and, and ETFs. Um, and, and a big part of my role there as an equity analyst was, you know, interpreting a lot of information on a particular vertical, a particular set of stocks, essentially. Um, European retail stocks was, was sort of my area. And um, yeah, basically, uh, you know, serving that into into traders so that they, they can they can make more, more informed um, decisions and, and positions. So, a lot of content consumption part of the role. Um, but really outside of my kind of, I guess my niche or my core area, um, I, I found it hard to constantly stay informed. I remember working alongside one of the analysts there. Um, he was just, you know, he, he was there a while. Um, he was just so informed about like, you know, the, the bigger picture, like, you know, and he, he didn't, he understood how, how, how to kind of small, um, uh, I guess news item fit into a into a wider picture, and I definitely aspire to that. I definitely really, you know, I, I really liked the way he was able to position himself or the the views and opinions and perspectives that he was able to offer to the team. And you know, I wanted to kind of get to that level. I wanted to do it fast, and um, I knew that consuming more content was key. But I really struggled to find the time. And um, I also, I mean, for anybody that's sort of interested in the investment space, whether that be kind of you know, if you have a 
um, Digiro or even a Robinhood account or, you know, um, trade a bit of stocks, things like that, you know, you, you, you'd be familiar with Warren Buffett and like, you know, a big thing for Warren Buffett is, you know, he, he reads a lot and even Elon Musk and there's many others like them again, like, you know, probably actually a, a commonality between the likes of Elon Musk, even Steve Jobs, Bill Gates and so on and so forth. And then of course, Warren Buffett is that they, you know, they read a lot of information content. And um, again, it's, I guess in this kind of, modern day lifestyle we, we always find ourselves a bit too busy maybe maybe we're not using our time well enough but um we, we also just like tools that that that, uh, that help us do things a bit a bit easier and around 2014 or so i came across the economists audio edition so they do a they do an audio version of their print newspaper they call it a newspaper not a magazine and and um yeah, basically, I began listening to it, and I was just blown away. I was like, "Oh my god, like this is fantastic! This is this is now what kind of fills my my morning commute." I used to commute into the office at like half six a.m. and and uh, so there wasn't a huge amount. I mean, there was kind of news talk breakfast, but that was it's quite Irish focused, bit of international stuff. But like you know, it's not really the not really the stuff that I was looking to to consume. Um, maybe I'm just not in the right demographic. Um, for that content, but um, but the economists work really well. So I listened to that on my commute. So I listened to what I was exercising and so forth. But then I began to ask, just as a consumer, you know, okay, there has to be another app or product out here that does this for the FT and the New York Times and, and so on and so forth. And um, long story short, there, there wasn't. And that was, I guess, part of the seed um, of the idea. I also spoke to many people across across uh, the company that I worked in, SIG, and uh, so a couple of the peers. And yeah, they pretty much shared the same view. They're like, oh my God, yeah, that, that would be such a good idea. Like, why isn't that done? It has, it has to be out there somewhere. And um, yeah, so kind of, I guess that was my initial sort of user insight testing. So I was like, yeah, you know, there, there, there is definitely demand for this. And so you're scratching your own itch in that case as well, which is always a great place to start. And what what I always find interesting about, this is this is kind of a, it's a technology play, it's a, a media play. Um, it's interesting that you, like you're in SIG, you're, you know, maybe you, you've mentioned that you studied this in uh, university or economics and stuff like that. Um, there is a, there's definitely a definite um, you know, career path that you were on there, right? Um, yeah. And get it, the longer you stay, the deeper you get into it. Um, I worked in Davy Stockbrokers after college for a couple of years, and I could see. Uh, okay, you know the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could see the, uh, like it is kind of not. It's laid out for you in a certain way. Like you just, there's a few kind of things you have to do uh, and you're you're going to be all right in that space you know generally speaking um was that a big decision for you to to, to say okay, actually there's a there's a business here i'd rather be a media entrepreneur than a than a long-term investment guy yeah i mean look looking back like i mean if i was faced with the same decision now kind of in the in the job and so forth kind of at the age i'm at now i guess i'm uh, you know i'm 30 now just for context and uh like i i'd probably think differently about it i guess i i've become maybe a bit more risk averse when it comes to those things but at the time no i was probably more risk loving i was just like oh yeah of course i'll do this like you know why wouldn't i and, and uh you know you just don't think of the of the the, the next steps or consequences as much as you might um uh, later in life but 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 um but no it wasn't a, well one one of the other kind of contributing factors for me was and it's again like it's there's a web of factors that lead somebody to a decision that wasn't just kind of one silver bullet that said, oh my God, yeah, boom, I, you know, I've seen this great opportunity and I jumped in it. Like, you know, just a number of different things, you know, having support of family, you know, partner and, and so on and so forth, that, all, all of that helps as well. But um, but probably the w- one of the things that allowed me to make that decision at the time without without too much delay was, um, you know, from, from, uh, 
from from kind of earlier days i you know saved saved up quite a bit of money and 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 um had a had a brokerage account with davies um at the time and uh, you know so i had a couple of investment positions in sort of you know aim listed kind of smaller cap companies and maybe one or two kind of off the cuff kind of larger cap companies where where i found opportunity and um so i had some good returns wasn't you know killing the rating um i think i think they were, they were good from a from a, a a risk position and um yeah this is at the time so kind of 2015 comes around and you, you might recall like you know the, the eurozone was going to end greece was going to leave you know god knows what was going to happen thereafter and you know a last minute deal which is not uncommon in in, in the european union um was signed and everything was rosy but this was coming up to that point and i was like god you know what way are markets going to go also there was no view on you know our central bank's going to be as you know as uh, as accommodative as they as they have been since the the great recession um that you know that was anybody that says they predicted central banks to be as accommodative you know it's kind of, you know you know they're kind of blown around smoke like you know it, it's hard to it's hard to know how the political tides kind of are, are going to turn they turn in favor of central banks being accommodative markets you know anybody that's investing these days is just a pure macro play like it's basically just an interest rate bet and um as soon as interest rates start rising stocks will fall but at that time i was like yeah you know interest rates can't stay this low for longer Um, they do have to start rising at some point we've seen what happened with the taper, taper tantrum in 2013 when interest rates you know rose for about half a second and yeah. um yeah, so I was like, you know what, maybe I could do something a bit better with my capital, and uh, that that was also part of the decision. It's you know, I, I'm just uh, I'm just remembering this this conversation is almost like a, a copy of the one that we had with uh, Connor Sheridan, uh, Mark back uh, you know, about a year ago. Um, he was a, a Davy research. I think he was in research. Um, I think it was. I think it's, it was a, it's a breeding ground for entrepreneurs. Yeah, and he, he left and started a fried chickens uh, shop in uh, in Dublin. A mad egg. All right. I don't know if you've. Across the mat, oh, there's a few. Of them. No, I haven't, but I'm going to have to drop in now. Do you say it? Yeah. Yeah, and his because uh, we were saying, okay, okay, Connor, what's the crack here? Uh, like, how does you know what's the what's the crossover? And then he really told me about the crossover and everything they do is like really like everything has a really deep method uh, based in kind of a financial, uh, uh, financial reasoning, say. reasoning and. Uh, uh, not method what's the word i'm looking for models like so like they take yeah. the population around this particular retail location um all the other rentals and like he really he does a really deep dive on everything doesn't he mark and then we're like okay, yeah it's funny sense. on the outside you're thinking how does someone in somebody in in davy or wherever it was get involved in like a food chain business you're like but then it, it all made sense uh, and it's worth listening to the episode and shout out, yeah, shout out to him but also then he's pivoted then again into well he's still doing that but into um tech so he's yeah. he, tech surrounding that industry as well because okay brilliant. again he sees he sees things like pain points that could be fixed you know so it is that kind of there's a lot to be said for that for that mindset people think once you go into finance like i'm an accountant originally and then i've moved into recruitment and i have an artist background so People think finance people just are finance people, but they're not. They're, they're really not. They're like Some people are, yeah, and fair play to them. And I wish I was like that. It'd be a lot, lot less hassle, a lot less worry in my life, <laughs> you know, if I was happy just to plod along. But um, yeah, we like to put, put ourselves into different individual boxes and then that's where you are, you know. Yeah, it's good to be creative. Like, I mean, look, and I, I can't really offer advice to anyone on it, and I don't know if you guys can either. But like, you know, should you start in finance and pivot or should you start somewhere else and then pivot to finance? I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess it's, it's, it can be good in some cases having a finance background. I definitely have my limitations. Like, for example, we're kind of tooling up on, say, the marketing side and the acquisition side of the business. And, um, you know, that requires a bit of creativity and, you know, 
you know, being empathetic to our customers and so forth. And I, I mean, I, I believe I am, um, you know, as empathetic as I can be, but like not the most creative person. Like it just, you know, if it rationally doesn't make sense to me, then I, then I find it hard to, 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 to get something across. But, um, but there's other people out there that are just, you know, they're, they're super, they, they just, they, they can feel the pulse of, of, of the market and of consumers and they know what message and what artwork, where, when, how, you know, and, and, uh, that's not me, like, you know, and, and, and I envy those people. So, um, yeah, you can't, you can't have it all, or at least I say yeah. can. Well, that's the importance of a good team, isn't it? You can't, you can't, you yeah. literally can't do it all. And that's a big problem that people think they can, especially when you start small and, you know, you still try to do everything and that, you know, that you have a big team around you. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah, so, correct. So what's the, what's the first step that you get kind of, uh, get cracking with the, um, with the, the kind of platform first before you left the job or did you cut a cold and say, you know, this is, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on this completely. Um, what was there a transition zone there? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm risk averse, but I'm not, I guess I'm not, well, I would like to say I'm not stupid. Like, you know, so, so no, we, we, um, we sort of, I guess did some of the, you know, late nights and, and, and kind of weekends and so forth to kind of figure out, okay, is there an opportunity here? And, and, uh, essentially, you know, just before, before I kind of left the, that, left the day job um but i would say the kind of journey is kind of interesting just in terms of how we how we built relationships because i remember like one of the biggest challenges for us in the early days was um was actually just trying to get publishers on board like and because in 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 our heads it was just like yeah this makes so much sense we'll do the narration and the publishers will want it. They'll use it. We'll create a consumer product and yeah, you know, the, the world would be a better place. And, um, we just thought like it would be so easy to do it. Like, um, and yeah, then we started to have conversations with publishers and it was just like, you know, it was a, we just started to get a sense that it's going to be a very slow burn, like, you know, and, and, uh, like they are very, very risk averse and, and, and so they should be, they've, they've big band, brands to protect. Like if they were to do deals with every single person that knocks on the door, like, you know, that's just, you know, it wouldn't be good for business, not certainly not their brand and are super protective of the brands. And again, that is as it should be, but, but, um, so it took a long time. And I actually, I remember, I'll come back to the story in a sec, but just to digress, I remember reading an article, I think it was in New Yorker about Daniel Ek, uh, setting up. Uh, Spotify and it was something like you know he kind of naively so he, he'd made a few pounds from an exit that he had already a couple of million quid and and uh, he wanted to keep keep going fair play and he um he was just like yeah listen we're going to build this platform we're going to make sure like he said the biggest issue that we're going to have and I'm paraphrasing here of course is uh is latency we just need to make sure that we can lower the latency when people come to when it comes to streaming and uh, as long as we solve that then everything else just falls in place so his his thoughts in terms of signing record labels over you know keep in mind that in 2007 and before that um record label you know music was just being stolen online and and, and downloaded and so forth so he was just like yeah this is obviously a no-brainer for them but we need to talk to them like you know w- w- you know it's just a no-brainer but then he started to talk to record labels. So it was kind of like, you know, he had this great idea. It was like, yeah, we'll figure out the latency side of things, figure it out in a couple of couple of weeks, probably, you know, be, being a techie. Um, and then went to record labels. And then two years later, Spotify came along. So like, it takes a long time. And it was, it was, I think it took us about a year, certainly, certainly a year anyways, maybe even 18 months. We knocked on publisher doors and, and the pitch kind of started like this. It was like, hey, this is what we are going to do. And then we kind of went through it, and I guess PowerPoints and all that kind of stuff. And um, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're definitely interested in audio." You know, podcasting was uh, was starting to become a thing um, back then, even though it's been around for for nearly two decades now. Um, but it was getting more and more traction, and, and publishers knew they had to be in the space in some way. Uh, so 
and that, that kind of broadly fit into an audio strategy. So we were saying, look, we're going to take your best articles, put them in audio, and people are actually just going to press play and listen. And some publishers kind of some publishers were sort of like, yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense, and and and, and we'd like to like to try something. Um, others were like, no, that won't work. It's written, you know, it's written to be read um, to yourself, not not be read aloud. And so it took a bit of convincing, but nobody really moved um, until we actually took a different approach as well as we actually said, okay, tell you what, let's just build something. And we'll build an early version of the platform. We'll work with a company down in Cork called uh, Granite Digital. They were super helpful. And um, so we built kind of, let's just say, V1 of the app. Um, and then we reached out to a couple of narrators here in Ireland and we got a couple of them on board. Grania Brookfield is still one of them who, who still works with us to this day. And um, yeah, basically we, you know, we, we started to produce some content, you know, in a kind of private I guess alpha, even not even a beta. Um, and then we went back to the publishers and we said, Hey, this is what we have done. Have a listen, press play. Okay. And then they were like, Oh, well, that actually works really well. And then they're like, okay, let's do something. So that, that was, um, that was, that was kind of how it all came together. But uh, I definitely remember there being, there being periods whereby we were like, God, will we sign anybody? Like, you know, is this ever mm-hmm. like, you know, cause we are like, this can definitely work, but just, we just need to convince these, these, these incumbents. And um, yeah, we definitely felt that there was a point where we, whereby we'd sign nobody. And, and also, um, yeah, like we, we, we didn't want to build it as an Irish kind of audio app and then sort of somebody else can do it in the UK and do it, do it elsewhere. So, you know, we did start at the top, like, you know, we, 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 our launch publishers were the FT, Bloomberg, the UK independent and and the Irish times here, um, closer to home. So I think that was also important. Um, I'm glad we did it that way. It took longer, but you know, it's, what's it, what's a year or two. It's the first I'm so interested, sorry, as, sorry, as to where, where do you start when you're trying to contact these people? Do you know what I mean? Usually <laughs> like that cold approach and like I've started a recruitment business three years ago, like the cold approach like the returns on that compared to warm approach to somebody that you know or whatever you know yeah. it's, it's chalk and cheese like like did you know anybody in the industry at all that you could leverage upon or was it literally starting from scratch finding out who whose position is what find them on linkedin sending them an email like how did you go about that yeah like a, a kind of kind of half joke about this as well like you know just saying it, it would have been a big help if we were related related to rupert murdoch um but um <laughs> But but that that wasn't the case. No, we we didn't have any um any innings at all. Um, so it was was pure cold. Oh yeah, it's just pure persistence. You, you kind of need to set yourself up for that. But like again, and this is where the rationality kind of comes into it, or whatever you want to call it. You can call it insanity, I guess, as well. But like you know, kind of knew it was a numbers game. So it's sort of like okay, for every hundred that we reach out to, um, you know, one or two. So you're kind of talking like one or two percent hit rate, and um, that's a good outcome. Um, if you're doing like zero percent or half percent after reaching out to you know a lot of people um again it d- depends on who you're you know what the market is yeah you you, you just uh you you know something's wrong um but yeah we we kind of achieved i guess a maybe a maybe it's like a five or ten percent hit rate like you know but it was still quite a bit of persistence and it takes a, it takes a long time and try to leverage our network as best we could it wasn't yeah, I mean, yeah, there were some innings, let's just say. Um, one of the co-founders, like his, his um, kind of his dad knew somebody who was connected to, you know, and, and it was that kind of thing. But like, it was like, you know, definitely third connections, maybe even like fourth connections. And um, things like that helped, but there was there was no eureka moment. It was just a lot of persistence. It's, it's, a, it's the first thing I thought about when I saw all of the, the logos you guys are working with. That's because I'm an enterprise sales as well. So trying to get into... 
companies is kind of my it's kind of my main gig uh and um i work at partnerships now so it's not it's not exactly the same but i remember like trying to sell to those those types of companies it takes so long just to get a, a meeting and then sometimes uh it's, even if it's a great deal for them like you said like this is a no-brainer like when you go into that thing and then you get your first few uh rejections and then i'm sure you got rejected from people that didn't have the authority to reject you that's the real one that annoys you where you're like this is you're, that's not your job to say no to this you know um, yeah yeah just, just gatekeepers just yeah. gatekeepers yeah like i mean i guess i guess it was definitely a more partnership approach that we that we took and um yeah so so, so uh, yeah we, we, like there was never there was never a cost to the publishers and there still isn't so okay. in theory like it should be like i mean you're probably doing that from a sales perspective you're like okay you're, you're kind of offering publishers something here with no cost like you know i should just be walking off the shelves um but you know they're, they're well There's they are like them. i guess the cost to them is you know it's, it's licensing of their content which they value dearly like you know yeah. it's literally like you know um it is their baby so um so there is there is a there is a high cost from that perspective um but yeah it, it uh yeah it is it is, as as with sales as as with any kind of outreach like you know it is a it is a bit of a numbers game you have to you have to be persistent but yes you know you, you do i guess probably one, one of the key things probably the lessons that we learned as well is you need to spend more time understanding who they are their problems their their priorities their position and so forth because you're not just going to knock on a door to somebody and say hey i have this great thing and you know go and go and try it or go and go and use it you know it, that's 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 uh yeah it's you know be like you, you know it's, it's just not it's just not a good way of doing it like. and do and they it, do you guys have to pick like pick and choose uh the ones that you think uh like that the articles or the piece of content that would be uh, best suited to audio or is it just you take the whatever 15 articles per uh, um uh hbr uh yeah out, it, it well it, it's kind of a mix so um so basically curation is key okay so so um um narration is kind of functionally what we do you could say but we also like we actually probably spend more well we do actually spend more time in the curation side of it um so there's there's a huge amount in finding the right pieces um and offering them in the right way um so a key part of our proposition uh to the audience i kind of i guess gave the gave the elevator pitch earlier on saying it was you know similar to audible except for the journalism space um going beyond that like what we do is we we package the articles um into playlists on specific topics so if you want to understand what's happening in afghanistan we are hands down the best way for you to understand what's happening over there and in the most time efficient way too i mean you can go on to you know you can google it and click onto wikipedia and look at a documentary on youtube and read a couple of articles and you'll probably walk away you know a little bit better off probably 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 in some cases confused depending on what you consume um and then, of course, you come across many paywalls and all that kind of stuff as well on your journey of looking for good content. Whereas with Noah, we'll just say, hey, we've literally found the best articles, uh, probably like three or four, maybe five in in, in an extreme case um, on this topic. And we've also added a little short explainer at the beginning. Um, and yeah, that sets a bit of context, kind of 60 to maybe 120 seconds, so one to two minutes. And uh, yeah, you'll just press play, go about whatever you're doing and in the space of 20 to 30 minutes, or if you listen that kind of 1.5x or 2x, you know, in the space of maybe 10 or 15 minutes, you're going to walk away with probably like 70 or 80, 80% knowledge on that topic, 100% kind of being like, you know, the, the, the creme de la creme. Um, so 
we feel we can bring somebody from sort of 10% knowledge on a topic right away up to like 60, 70, 80%. Um, and, and those, those topic specific playlists, we call them series. Um, so we want people to think of it as though they're consuming a Netflix series. There's a, um, a beginning, a middle and an end. And uh, when you get to the end, that's it, you're done. You don't need to worry about anything else. Everything else is noise, you know, and there's a lot of noise and news, like um, a hell of a mm. lot. I think a lot, there's a struggle for, particularly in America, I'd imagine, to actually know the real facts and to, to just to get an unbiased, you know, real kind of factual opinion on, on, on things, or for just facts, really, for like Afghanistan or whatever it might may be, because yeah. it's left and right, obviously. I think this could possibly be a bit more centrist and, and solve that problem, which is a huge problem. You listen to one thing and it's right. YouTube, think, like right wing, YouTube yeah. thinks you're right wing and that's all it'll give you then, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, it totally does. Look, I mean, the, the algorithm issue or problem is is a very real one and you can get sucked in so easily. So um, so at all costs, do do avoid that. Um, and that kind of touches on on media literacy, which maybe we'll come back to in, in a second. It'd be good to touch on. But just on the topic of kind of, let's say, left versus right, um, the way we kind of think of it is, you know, there's, 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 there's always two sides to a story. There's, there's often multiple sides to a story. And it's super important when you're consuming. It's kind of rule number one when it comes to consuming news is um, is always seek two or more sources. Um, and rule number two is never forget rule number one. Like, you know, it is that important. So um, never form an opinion on a topic by just being like, oh, hey, I, you know, I read something in, say, you know, the FT or the Guardian or whatever, like any single story, even the New York Times, like, you know, um, the arbiters are true in, 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 in their opinion. Um, like, you know, so never never just read it from one source and form an opinion. Always, always seek um, two or more sources. The more, the better, um, to be honest. Because the world isn't black and white, the world is 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 grey, you know. And any any politician or business or service, whether it's an app or a blog post or a journalist that kind of paints the world in black and white, is uh, is um, is yeah, it's treating you like a fool. Like you know, you really do need to understand the complexities of things and and, and look for the grey the greyness in the picture. Um, but what we at least what we feel we do in Noah, I would say we do a. If a good to very good job at this. Um, there's always room for improvement, so I wouldn't say great. Um, is we do offer multiple perspectives. So when our editors, and this kind of goes back to Luke, what, what you were asking in terms of the you know finding the right pieces. When we say we look to find the right the best pieces, we look to find pieces that complement each other. So you know, I remember one 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 really good example of this was um, remember Extinction Rebellion over in the UK to kind of blocked up London and kind of held held up commuters for, for, for quite a while um, uh, to do a climate change. And we did a series on this and what the series covered was um, the first article from the Evening Standard it was a profile of the individual, the woman who kind of set up Extinction Rebellion. She, she you know, she comes from modest, modest means. Um, she, uh, she has kids. She drives a diesel car, which is old and it's polluting. And like, you know, but, but she, she knows she's not a, a model citizen, but she wants to do good, like, you know, whatever she can do to help, help the climate change cause. Then the next piece, you know, kind of talked a bit more about, you know, climate change and, you know, Extinction Rebellion and, and some of the things that they've, that, that they've, you know, protests that they've set up and so forth. And then I think the final piece in that series was actually one from um, Boris Johnson. This is before he took over as PM. So it was one of his latter kind of uh, pieces in the Telegraph. He was a columnist in the Telegraph for, for quite a while. Um, and I talked, it was kind of his view on, on the whole thing. And where he came from, he was sort of saying, and again, this is the value of hearing multiple perspectives. He was saying, yes, climate change is a big deal. We take it seriously in the UK. 
but you also need to weigh the societal facts because in the morning we could turn around we could say hey you know diesel is you know 10 euro per liter and you know who's that going to hurt the, the rich person's not going to like, oh, you know it's inconvenient but whatever i'll still fill my car um but the person who has to drive 10 miles to drop off or you know 10 miles to drop off the kids and then back you know under five miles to go to work and so on and so forth they're going to suffer for that like you know the average person is going to suffer somebody who owns a owns a you know a, a, a delivery van or you know ending along those lines like you know they're the ones that have to pay the price so he was like you need to weigh progress when it comes to fighting climate um with the pace of technology and 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 with the with with the acceptance of society of the of the higher cost and um so that's why you need to do it over a longer term and um he was saying actually the uk is doing quite a good job at that which you know facts would tell you that that they are making making progress um they can always move faster we can always move faster and it is a big problem i don't mean to belittle it um but it needs to be a balanced thing because otherwise it hurts hurts other people in other areas and like keep in mind only a couple of couple of months even before uh extinction rebellion was 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 making news headlines you had the yellow vest movement in france which was you know they basically turned around and said hey we're putting more tax on your diesel and yeah. the french protested and then you had the yellow vest movement so that's the complete opposite but uh, Boris great. Johnson kind of ended up by saying, "Hey, if you want to, you want to really uh, tackle this, you know, start where the problem is biggest, and, and that that is uh, that is probably China." And he said, uh, "You know, half jokingly, I guess, but he was like, you know, go go and protest in Beijing and see how far you get." Like so, yeah. um, but again, it's good to get those multiple perspectives. I don't have a view on it. No, it doesn't. Well, I mean, I have a personal view on it, but that's that's beside the point. No, it doesn't have a view, and I guess that's mm-hmm. the key thing. Like you know, we want to say to our listeners as, as opposed to saying, "Hey, you know." here's here's a view on these particular topics you know and this is what you should believe we're kind of saying hey here's multiple perspectives on this topic you choose what you want to believe you know make up your own mind so really as a as a news product um journalism product i, I believe you'd say our goal is to help people think about the topics that they're interested in not yeah. to tell them what to think Very good. such a, a useful thing right now because like i said the algorithms really make the echo chamber and then I remember having a, an argument with somebody, not an argument, like I was having a discussion with one of my friends on a particular topic. And I was like, I don't even know where are you coming from with this type of stuff. And then I realized I'd only spoken to, I've only listened to w- one side and we haven't had any crossover with what the information that we have. And that's why, and I go, you're not really angry with me. Like, <laughs> like this is, uh, this is, this is the, the, the matrix that's made us this way. You know, this isn't a yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. So I always try to get some sort of um, yeah, crossover there. Sometimes if I'm on YouTube, so I'm, I'm like I said, I'm probably one of your um, kind of buyer personas when it comes to uh, media uh, consumption. I work at, at home for now, but I've obviously worked at home for almost two years, um, and I work pretty solitary uh, in what I do. So I've got huge amounts of time where nothing's happening when I'm uh, just working on a project or whatever, and I, I always need to have something in the background. Uh, I've got a, a yeah. young baby here as well, so sometimes he's kind of, you know, making himself known. Uh, right? So <laughs> I won't have the earphones on, listen to something. Um, so I'm listening, to, like, on YouTube. I'm trying to get a balanced opinion on different things. Uh, sometimes I'll click on, like, uh, a headline that I would make me angry just to see what they have to say. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's there's a huge market for that now. How many How many people are there like me who love uh to be up to date with everything that's happening um are investing every month and sees sees the news as well as something to maybe think about when we're when you're kind of putting your money down every month into your uh investment portfolio as well you want to make sure that you know what's going on out there um and like for you guys go to market is it uh, are you launch like is the launch for like uk and ireland or is it is america the big big push in how do you how do you get this out to the people yeah 
Yeah, so so um, well, that's always the that's always the challenge is is getting getting heard, um, getting the name out there. But uh, US is our main market, um, represents about forty percent of our subscribers, followed by UK about thirty percent, and then kind of Ireland is sort of mid mid single digits, and then kind of rest of the world, and just wow. just quite a bit of growth we believe across um, the likes of India, uh, massive English speaking population over there, and then also uh, East Asia as well. Um, so. So yeah, like I mean, yeah, Ireland isn't is certainly not a core market, but we definitely want to build up our base here, of course. Um, in terms of content and so forth, we just have one Irish publisher at the moment, being the Irish Times. But yeah, we do we do want to invest in in Ireland more. Um, but you know, we also want to you know proudly kind of wear the green flag or green jersey. Um, overseas, and there's no reason why. Like I mean, like there's it's great to see some really big success stories in the Irish um kind of startup uh, ecosystem uh, over the last while. Um. And uh, like, I mean, one that, and I don't know anybody from the company here, but uh, uh, Jim Plus Coffee, like, you know, I, I really kind of really like the way they've approached their their brand and built brand and so forth. Just because when I speak to people, like they really, consumers just really buy into what they're doing, like, which is fantastic. It's great to see. Um, Buy Me has had some really good success. Again, don't know, don't know Devon or the guys there, but, you know, kind of look look from the Shark outside in and just think it's fair play. <laughs> Say again? Uh, uh, Devon is on the, uh, the track pod. Uh, yeah. Back back before the last, last, before he was a unicorn or whatever, Mark. What do you think? He was telling us <laughs> okay. again, a guy who really broke down the economics behind uh, uh, the business. If, like, yeah, worth listening to that episode. Like, it was yeah. like a, I was like a lecture in, yeah. in economics. I was like, Devin, how <laughs> right? Is, okay, I've listened to a few of his bits before. All right, yeah. No, he definitely he knows yeah. his business. I was like, Devin, how is this going to work? And then he's like, I'll fucking tell you how it's going to work. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he like give, give you the. Like, okay, well, uh, where do I sign? I think this is uh, yeah. uh okay. <laughs> a good cool. opportunity. Yeah, yeah so, you turn into that's how Shaq quite turned into a VC, or you yeah, should have <laughs> exactly. I uh, should have a few of the ones that have gone in the early days as well. We should have uh, put our hands in our pockets, but anyway, so what's the what's the kind sorry, of, go to market, yeah, yeah, what's the status right now? What's uh, what where are you guys at? Yeah, so well. Maybe just to even backtrack on, on, on your original question in terms of go-to-market. Yeah, look, I mean, we have a couple of different channels in terms of um, growing our subscribers. One of them is um, is like basically when we narrate the content, we host on one of two places. One is the, the NOAA apps, website, smart speaker skills, in-car apps like CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, but we also provide it back to our publishers. So again, if you want to listen to, say, the latest issue of HBR, you can go over to HBR's website, press play, and the articles are in their app. And, and that's all powered by us. We give them the tech stack, the, the, the full integration and data infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. So that's... Um, that and it's not it's not white labeled. It is it is branded no. So so that acts as a you know it's pretty small percentage wise the, the the volume of people that we get there. But but that does act as a funnel for us and it helps us build nice. brand awareness as well, which is which is super important. So then if we happen to market to that customer, you know, let's just say a Facebook ad or a Google ad in in in, in weeks or months to come, um, you know, there's some familiarity you know, and and that helps on the conversion and the cost per acquisition and so forth. So that's that's sort of one area um, that we've leaned into. We've also done some channel partnerships like for example and like talk about bad timing but like literally november 2018 or 2019 sorry so november 2019 we rolled out a partnership with dublin airport and whereby as you pass through the airport you as you sign up to wi-fi you get three months three months free access to know and uh that launched we were kind of ironing out some bugs and yeah it was going quite well app cipher was really strong and uh yeah then then of course uh covid covid set in so uh, you know you can't predict these things but it is what it is um and then also yeah there, there's some other let's just say channel partnership kind of areas that we'll be leaning into we actually announced a um 
an investment from a strategic investor just a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago and um there's an article in the sunday times and basically what that talked about was uh you know how we sort of are going to be integrating with that with, with that player so go one is the name of the company they're australia they're an australian unicorn they just actually reached unicorn status during the summer as well um okay. tiger global uh yeah softbank and um microsoft ventures salesforce ventures a couple of others have invested in them as well so they're a pretty big player three and a half million learners is what they have that's their user base okay. uh, they call them learners but basically what we'll be doing is we'll be kind of looking at ways that we can kind of see you know find audience overlap and, and maybe even lean into their enterprise sales team to to, to upsell no into some of the clients that they have and so on and so forth so we definitely you know we won't be reaching 3.5 billion people million people in the morning but um but we'll definitely be looking to tap into their to their audience where we think there's overlap and uh, and look to grow that way so that's been kind of one of the ways Unit economics is super important. Like you know, so there's there's a certain price point um, when it comes to when it comes to marketing that we can pay to acquire somebody, um, and if you go beyond that, then you're you're kind of you're growing at negative unit economics, and it's just yeah. not a good outcome. Like you're kind of hoping that other areas of the business catch up, such as retention. Like you know, so if retention is you know if if, if we could double retention, then we could in theory pay way more, double the price to acquire the person. But like that's kind of hopeful thinking, and it's. Um, it's 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 not it's not the best way at least for us to 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 grow so um yeah the cost that to, to acquire a subscriber is, is super important and um like yeah it costs uh, like when you when you kind of break it down like you know it's it, it's interesting because like it's like you know let's say on google we we put out ads and um you know so that we're top of result then uh, somebody clicks on that that might be like a euro for the click of which 10 percent sign up that's 10 euro then to get a sign up of which x percent subscribe that's you know you start to get into 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 kind of big figures when it comes to the cost per subscriber and you can kind of yeah. see how that happens at each conversion point so it's always important to optimize and improve each of those conversions to, to lower your subscriber costs um so uh yeah basically where we're at at the moment in terms of the business um, is we're going to be leaning much more into the to the kind of marketing side of the business. We sort of break the business down into three pillars. Um, one is content and the publisher relationships we have and the integrations we have with them and the curation value that we add to the, to the overall experience, including the explainer content that we produce on topics. Then there's the product, you know, making sure that it's kind of um, meets people's digital expectations and works and, you know, all, all that kind of fun stuff. And then the, the I guess the third key area of the business um, is uh, is marketing or kind of growth um, acquisition, I should say. So, and that, that, that kind of, Within marketing, like marketing is more than just, you know, Facebook ads or Instagram ads, like, you know, it's, it's, it's your, it's your brand. It's, you know, it's your price point. It's, you know, the, the whole customer journey is, is, is all important to that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to be massively um, leaning into that over the next while because the business is kind of at a point now we have a good data infrastructure to understand where we're at from, a, you know, each of our conversion points and so forth. So we understand what it means when we invest X euro into these uh, into these different areas, and um, so we're going to be ramping up quite a bit there. There's just so many angles here. While you're speaking, I'm thinking about the, the partnership that you're that you're setting up with the, the guys in Australia. Uh, the yeah. I love the idea for the uh, the airports. How many airports are there in the world? How many uh, long distance uh, train journeys can we get into? Uh, the, the university. Uh, 
like there's there's a they're really uh it, it's a great business in, in that way the way your sales has on yeah you know what i started looking into the space i'm like you know what i could do there um no and also i we're talking about branding we're talking about far east and stuff like that i think if you you have a a real job on your hands if you build an app here in ireland and you go to uh shanghai or you know or whatever the uh a most English-speaking place in Asia is probably, uh, like I said, India. Singapore, maybe. Singapore, yeah. maybe. Um, you'll have a real job on your hands trying to build a brand from scratch over there. But because you guys have the brand and it's also has this all this great association with some of the biggest and most respected uh, media outlets in the world, it, I think that's a great place to be because it's like you're getting a little bit of shine off those guys. It's you know, if you want to listen to HBO content, you do it through Noah. There, do you know? I think it's great. The, is, yeah. it ju- is it just sorry, Gareth? Is it just just English speaking? And what's stopping it being multi- multilingual is definitely on the cards. Um, I mean, look, there's there's only there's only so much, let's just say, management time and shareholder capital um, um, at any one point in time. So, it, look, I mean, multilingual will will come. Um, it's uh, yeah, we, we kind of need to need to kind of capture the opportunity, let's just say, in the English speaking space before we start leaning into it. There's huge demand for you know both. Both the publisher level, like a number of publishers across continental Europe and and um, and also uh, East Asia, have reached out to us um, about doing something. One of the things that we will be doing is working with more, um, let's just say, regional or kind of national publishers who have English speaking offerings. I won't mention any names, but I'm sure a couple of them might come to mind. Like you know, kind of big names in international markets that as well as serving their their, their, their national language to also have English speaking offerings. So we'll be, we'll be doing that and that'll add in kind of different perspective or again, multiple perspectives on the topics that we cover from those areas. Um, but it will also develop relationships with those publishers so that, you know, as, as and when we are in a position to, to broaden the, the language base, we, you know, we'll already have a working relationship with the publishers. So that's the, that's the, the direction of motion there. Um, not over the next, not over the next uh, six months anyways, probably not over the next 12 months but thereafter absolutely it's kind of it's one of those things you kind of do i would say on the back of series a because because keep in mind a series a like you know you you you, or when i say a series a what i mean is just a larger equity round kind of let's say four or five ten maybe maybe even up to 10 million um you start to think about that then because you know you have obviously quite a bit of cash on hand you need to utilize that to earn return you don't earn return by having cash sitting in a bank um quite the opposite these days so um so yeah, you need to you need to look for opportunities that can absorb that. It's basically the opportunities to be sufficient to absorb the the capital that you have. And um yeah, I think multilingual becomes more interesting at that point. Absolutely. Makes sense. Like to me, I think like I like I said, I'm a fan already after just kind of interacting with it uh today. So I've no I've no doubt that it's gonna take take off like a like a house on fire. There's so many there's so many opportunities there, so many uh, like the the market is so big. Like sometimes we think about uh, market size, like right now we're we're building partnerships with enterprise kind of system integrators and stuff like that. And uh, we were having a, a planning uh, meeting with the directors recently. And I was, I was saying to them, you know, this is a Rubik's cube that can be solved as in like at some stage we will have got all these partners. To, like there's only a, a certain yeah. amount of partners at scale that we can really work with. Um, and when I realized that uh, it's still exciting, but it com- becomes a little bit less exciting because there's no kind of, you know, the sky's the limit but i quite like the way this is uh supplies so many uh, regions so many languages um uh, you know endless endless fun for you guys to do over the next 10 years i think i, yeah. I constantly have an ear a little earbud in my ear all day yeah. <laughs> i just don't yeah. i just like i just love information coming at me 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Look, I, I'm the same. I'm a sponge as well. But like, I mean, I mean, I think the goal, the goal with no, and it's kind of, I guess, it's counterintuitive as well. Is like, you know, our goal isn't necessarily to to grab all of your audio time because it would sort of. I remember. Um, kind of the, the Yahoo versus Google debate, you know, way back when, uh, when there were, when there were competitors, um, where, whereby Yahoo's goal was to get you onto yahoo.com and get you to spend as much time in yahoo.com as possible. And they, you know, there was the weather, there was, you know, holiday bundles you could click on, there was, you know, local news, there was a million different things as well as search. And Google's goal was the exact opposite was to get you off Google as fast as you could because they understood, you know, the, the consumer's job to be done. They came here to find something and not to be distracted by a million other things. So um, you kind of, for for us, our, you know, one of our objectives, like, yes, we do want people to to, to, to stay with Noah for, for, for a couple of minutes a day. Um, and, and our current kind of session time is about 45 minutes per day um, on, on, on average. Um, but like, we don't necessarily need nor 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 want them to be spending a huge amount of time on Noah because if it's a case that they have to come to Noah and, and spend hours listening to get you know valuable insights, then that's actually not a great outcome. Like you know, we, we want to respect people's time and, and be as efficient as possible. And and that's the thing when it comes to when it comes to knowledge content. Like you know, there's just sort of two investments that you need to make to to consume good quality content. One is probably the cost of accessing the content. The more and more that is going behind paywalls, so you do need to pay more and more and that's frustrating um but the other and it's kind of a hidden cost i guess is, is the time required to consume it so you could have all the money in the world um and have your ft and economist subscription and so forth but if you don't have the time to consume them then it's you know it's not it's not an investment necessarily it's not a, not a good spend of your of, of, of your capital because you, you're just not using the time wisely so we're 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 doing our best to um to kind of say okay listen on these particular topics, you know, what are what are the what are the key pieces that people need to understand and, and just leave it at that. Like, you know, we don't want people to have to keep on listening to streams and streams of content on, on this particular topic. And sometimes this comes into debate as well because people say, Oh, you know, um, are you investing in kind of automated voice or kind of text speech or AI voices and so forth? And we're saying, Well, not really. Like, I mean, yes, we're looking into it a little bit, but like um we value our narration team massively. They're a core part of the product and the team. And like, you know, that is ultimately what people spend time with. It's not the app, you know, it's, it's yeah. not the, the physical interface itself. It's, it, it's the voices, you know, that's, that's what people actually spend their time with. So that's super important. And um, like the only thing that really automated voice allows us to do again in, in the space that we're in is, uh, is just do more content, you know, um, because the content that we currently produce, once that's absorbed over a large enough audience size, then the 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 let's just say the, the cost per stream to us is is you know not that meaningful. So again, at scale. Um, but if we, if we could do automated voice, yes, we could do more content and so forth. But that's that's not the answer. Like you know, that's not a good thing because what you're going to tell people, hey, come to Noah and just listen to Noah for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Not people are never going to do that. Like you know, so we want to be as efficient with people's time as we can, and i.e., we don't want to have to spend. It's just more of a compliment if they do <laughs> stick around for a while. Yeah, I think that that kind of long form conversation is already covered off in in podcasting. You know, that kind it, of it is, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Conversation yeah. about, exactly. you know, uh, investments and starting chicken restaurants, you know where to go. You know, you've got that covered. With <laughs> uh, no, but uh, Gareth, I want to be respectful of your time as well. Uh, I know that's getting late in the evening here. And uh, like me and Mark are really excited about the business. I think this is just uh, like a, we're going to be big fans of this. Uh, we do have one question before we let you go. And we ask all of the Shark Pod guests here uh, before they go. Would you prefer a T-shirt or a mug? 
Oh, it has to be a mug. I mean, I'm a massive, massive, massive tea drinker, so uh, it'll be used, that's for sure. Perfect. Gareth, we'll have that out to you as soon as possible. Uh, Noah is the is the company. Anyone who wants to go there, I believe there's a, a, a free trial as well um, that people can sign up for. Um, go give it a go. I think it's something that's, like I said, people will love it, and uh, you know, best of luck with everything. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks, thanks a million, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.